This is Johnny Walker and you're listening to another episode of the Frickfit CDM podcast. On this occasion it's all talk and no music, but we will be touching on an important subject. As you all know, in this podcast we value diversity and inclusion of all dance tribes. But what do you know about disabled ravers and the problems they're facing in accessing the dancing spaces that we all share? For this purpose, we invited Brianna Powie to talk to us about her own experiences. Brianna, welcome to the podcast and thank you for making the time. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Great. Now, I want to start not with your personal story straight away, but I want to start with prior to your accident that you're going to tell us about a little bit later. What was your perception uh, of disabled people in clubs or festivals? Like, would you ever notice them? Have you ever seen anybody? If you did, what mm-hmm. were you thinking of them? So I actually entered the the scene when I was pretty young. I was still in high school and we had we had small festivals in my little hometown. Um, so I was actually um, introduced to the EDM scene very young. So I wasn't necessarily going to clubs and things like that. But where I was where I was able to go, there was a, a really good mixed population of like younger generations and families and older people. And that's pretty much all I saw. I really didn't see a lot of disabled ravers. I saw elder ravers for sure, um, but none that were disabled. It wasn't until after I became disabled myself that I really started noticing other people in wheelchairs or other people with mobility devices that were in the scene with me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not it's not a very common sight, but you do see people out and I certainly know. I remember uh, back in the days I was um, raving with with you know many people, and I remember a a particular individual uh, who was very uh, kind of uh, prominent, and you know we all had fun dancing with him. And I remember many years later seeing him on a wheelchair, and I thought, what happened there? Mm-hmm. Right, and it was sad because although we all knew him and we still celebrated him being there, he couldn't do the same things that he could do before. But let's go a little bit into your story now, as you told us, you know, your past. So what happened to you? So in 2011, I was 20 years old and I had made a poor choice of drinking and driving. And I was driving a little bit too fast and I lost control of my car. I hit the ditch and um, I had my seatbelt on, but my airbag didn't go off. So where that lap band was holding my body in, that is where my back broke. So I'm paralyzed from the belly button down. So it's mm-hmm. been about 11 years since my accident. And since then, I've been a full-time wheelchair user. Mm-hmm. I'm really sad to hear that. So that was 2011. Mm-hmm. What was, obviously, you had to deal with the immediate medical issues that perhaps at some stage, or perhaps I'm wrong, got stabilized. And mm-hmm. at some stage, probably you start thinking that, I want to go back into the scene. Am I correct? (laughs) That's actually very correct. Um, So I got injured on August 2nd. I was in the hospital for just about a month. I was released by um, America's Labor Day. And less than a month after that, I was back at my first concert um, to see Pretty Lights in my wheelchair. Um, I I barely knew how to... um, 
manage my chair, let alone like, let alone navigate the world in my chair. But I was, I was ready. I did not want to waste any more time. And this is the one place where I always felt, um, at home and felt safe. So as soon as I was out of the hospital and I still had, I had those tickets before my accident, I was like, I'm keeping them. I'm going, I'm going to figure out a way to make this work. And from that moment on, I, I never gave up my love of EDM or going out to shows and festivals and concerts. That is crazy. Cause, uh, this is not what I expected to be honest. I thought that it would take you you know, quite a few years to get adjusted, but I guess you have the benefit of being young and, and brave and uh, ready to face the world, whether, whether mm-hmm. in a chair or not. Now, what are the major difficulties you're facing in attending a club or a festival? So, for example, I'm thinking, I'm naive and please correct me. Like, how, can you find the information you need in like the websites, for example? Um, so usually it's not right on the websites. Usually it doesn't state um, how accessible or inaccessible the, the, the venue or the fest grounds are. They just kind of give you a little bit of what their ADA services would include. Um, so recently my roommate, who's also a wheelchair user, her and I went to Imagine Festival, which is five hours from where we live here in the States. Um, and all their website pretty much said was, this like we have we have some services that we can help you with there's there's a little bit of transportation on site we have viewing areas um ada bathrooms but they never really say where they're located how far apart they are if these um ada bathrooms are specifically for only ada people um so they give you some information but they don't give you enough to like really be able to plan properly there still has to be a lot of trust in yourself um, and then in the, in the services that if there is something that's not there, that they're going to like kind of figure it out as we go along, um, especially with the outdoor festivals, um, different wheelchair users all have different types of needs. Um, and so it's really hard to, to prepare for all of that. Um, and that's where I give a little bit of leniency to, to those places. Cause you can't, you can't cater to everyone the same. Um, so as long as they do their best is, is what I look for. That's that's very important information just to get for our listeners, just to uh, and for me as well. When you say ADA, mm-hmm. can you tell us what you mean by that? Uh, that's the America American Disability Association. I understand. That. So it's like ADA compliant is to make sure that you have a little bit of um, ADA services while you're there to make sure that you can have accessible restrooms. Um, viewing areas to make sure that the the space is up to code and things like that. So are there some standards that the festival organizers or club uh, organizers, they have to hold uh, according to the ADA? For the most part, yes. For the most part, there has to be, like you said, like safe viewing areas and things like that. But when it comes to like older buildings and concert venues, those are a little bit trickier to kind of to maneuver. Um, just because some of like the old theaters, they don't have to really comply with that because of how old they are and they don't need to update. So sometimes we will go to a place where um, they don't have a working elevator or it's just a bunch of stairs. Um, and if I have a good group of friends, my friends can carry me down the stairs, but there has been times where I'm like, okay, well, since you guys can't comply with, 
with this, you're going to have to help me. And I will help, I will ask security or their staff to help me get to where I need to go. And I've been lucky enough to where I've been met with a lot of, um, a lot of grace and they helped me out quite a bit. Um, cause you know, in the, in the pre questions, you always, you ask me about the negative side and I've gotten lucky in the last 10 years that I've been in a chair. I've haven't come across a lot of issues with my wheelchair. Mm-hmm. The spaces that I go to aren't always accessible, but the organizers do a really good job of finding a way around it. And that's that's good to that's good to hear. I would expect you almost for an organizer to really help a disabled person who wants to attend. They almost have to make a mental journey of what a disabled f- person would face, let's say somebody on a chair, right, would face from the point of the parking, arriving by car, let's say, Mm -hmm. to stepping in the venue, to finding their way around, to know where the toilet is so they can pre-plan, because it's not just Mm -hmm. getting there, but many times it's getting there on time as well, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. And like the festival that I just mentioned, most of them, most of the, most of the wheelchair bathrooms were blocked off and they were like meant for handicapped individuals only but there was a few of them that that weren't blocked off and anyone was kind of going towards them so there was there was a few moments throughout the weekend where we would go to a handicapped restroom and it would be full of non-handicapped people and that is you know i have no shame in being like all right well i'm gonna go next in line because this this is a space created for me and I'm not going to wait in line behind a bunch of able-bodied individuals when it's a wheelchair bathroom. You know, like if it's a club and it stalls and there's a giant line, it's one thing, you know, take the next available stall for sure. Mm-hmm. But if you're out in the middle of a field and you only have one wheelchair accessible porta potty, um, definitely try to respect that a little more. Just be mindful of that. And I, I think not, I think the producers and the organizers definitely think about that, but I don't think the attendees think about that as much. You know, um, and that's, that's not a, that's something that I don't judge just because I, I, I am aware that they're not around people with disabilities all the time. So they're not aware of how they should be treated and how to respect their spaces. You know what I mean? And so that's kind of, that's the awareness that I would like to bring to that topic is just like, if you're in that space and you're not disabled, try to save those disabled bathrooms or stalls or lookout views, save those for the people who really need them. Yeah, yeah. And this is why we're doing this, because we want mm-hmm. to make all those problems visible in a way so people understand them. If they, even if they don't have, like, direct experience with, with people with some disability, then at least our listeners would be able to understand what, what is going on and what some of the needs are, because obviously we, we can't cover the needs of every individual because those needs are individual to the particular person, correct? And, you know, getting to those toilets... Not just getting to the toilets, but also accessing them in on time when mm-hmm. it is needed is must be crucial to you. Yeah, to to me and to a lot of other people in our in the community, it's um, some of us can't sense when we have to use the restroom, and we kind of do it by time. Yes. Um, and so when we have those kind of situations, that's when, that's when we kind of run into those those issues when we try to time things on the right way and then we kind of get lost in the crowd or the space is inaccessible or, you know, we just can't get to where we know how to go. Hmm. It must be extremely hard. And so 
people who are listening now, if you see somebody on a chair, let's say, please be aware of that now and just, uh, you know, give your turn because I'm, I'm sure you can uh, wait a few more minutes. Now, but what about other facilities? For example, getting to food, right? Having some food or mm-hmm. even like medical areas or, mm-hmm. or getting access to water, for example, in a summer hot festival. How about that? So most time, and this is a really good thing to talk about, is the festivals specifically are really good about labeling that on like a festival map. And so before I attend, I definitely take the time to check out the map, find out where those medical tents are, how far apart they can be. Um, Most of them usually have free water stations at most festivals, which is a really a good, great thing to have. Um, So we know like where we got to, how far we got to go to fill up our water, our water packs and things like that. So it's just a little bit more pre-planning for us in terms of like, okay, so if there is a medical emergency, where do we got to go? But most of the time, um, that kind of information is pretty accessible. And I've, for me personally, like I said, it's always different for, for everyone. Some people aren't always comfortable asking for help. That That's not my case. I If I'm out and about at a festival and I need a little bit of assistance, I have no problem being like, hey, can you give me a pushover to the, to the food stand or something? And most of the time, the attendees or staff, whomever I'm asking are super polite and they give me a little bit of a hand. Or if I have a handful of food and I need to get 20 feet down to a table, I just, you know, I look around, I'm like, Hey, do you mind just like setting this over for me? And again, staff or attendees are really, really great about just being like, Oh yeah, I got you. Let's, let's, let's roll together. And that's what it is. It's just about being really comfortable in my own skin that I'm like, all right, I'm going to own being in a wheelchair and I'm just gonna, you know, ask for a little bit of help if I need to. That's that's very important, Brianna, to listen to because um, I guess a lot of people may be hesitant of asking for help and how will other people perceive them. But I'm, I'm glad to hear that, at least in your case, the the fam, because we're all one fam that you know helps you out and try try to facilitate you accessing mm-hmm. those areas. Now, how about accessing every area? Like, can you you know can you make it, for example, in a festival? I don't know. I haven't been to Imagine Festival. Perhaps you can tell me later about it. But can you access? All areas, like all stages, for example. So I, I actually prefer going to festivals over like concerts. Um, and that's just like my personal preference. And I do a lot of camping festivals, ones where you have to like stay on site. Those are my favorite. Um, just because you don't have to worry about accessible travel, um, and transportation as much after the show. Mm. But usually they're pretty, they're pretty good. They're, they're, they're not that bad. Okay. Okay. That's good to know. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought there for a second. <laughs> no, that that's good to know. I, I mean, I've been in festivals where there's obviously elevated areas that are well designated for chair users or anybody else with a disability. But they're usually so far away from the main stage, like you wish yes. you were in front in the rails. Now, I know like in Tomorrowland, I've mm-hmm. seen people just getting beyond the rails, so having access to just in front of the stage so yeah. they can get a very special view there which the thing is is fair so i don't know whether you've seen the same or not so yeah sorry and that's thank you so much you kind of put me back on track um so where i was going with that was that i i personally don't like always being on the lookout stages um those are they're usually at every festival that i go to and almost every stage has that option but you know, I, for me, you don't get that same energy. I like mm. being on the ground level, in the crowd, close to the people. Um, if I can get my way up to the front, I'll push my way up to the front. Um, if you get there early enough in the day and you kind of just set up shop, 
this hunker down on the rail. You can, you can stay there. Um, I've gotten really blessed to have a really good crew of friends that go along with me. So they'll, they'll help me get to wherever I want to go. If I want to go to a lookout stage, they'll help me get there. If I want to go sit in the grass, they'll push me over there. But for me personally, I do like being able to go everywhere in the festival. And for the most part, and with the festivals that I've experienced, and I've gone to some big ones and small ones alike, and I, I have to say that they are very accommodating for the most part. And you can, if you want to be in the crowd, you can be in the crowd. But if you do need that space and that little bit of a safety from those higher lookout advantages, um, they do offer that. Imagine's stages, uh, elevated handicap stages were actually not that bad in terms of the distance from the stage. And that's good to know as well. Mm-hmm. Is it the same for clubs or have you didn't have any club experience? Um, so it depends on the, the club, definitely. Um, I've had experiences where, where they haven't had any special handicap areas and I just had to kind of go around and just mingle and make the best of the space that I had. But I have also been in venues where they did have special seating, um, specifically kind of roped off for individuals with disabilities or with wheelchairs and things like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know which, which state are you located in? I didn't ask you that. So right now I'm located in North Carolina, but okay. I spent um, most of my time in Wisconsin. So I spent a lot of my EDM experiences up in like the Twin Cities area. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, this is a time where I'm going to ask you about the good experiences. So basically you praise clubs or festivals or organizers that are very aware and they're, they're you know, they're, they're taking care of disabled people or people with disabilities are also your bad experiences so this is where we have the chance to talk about festivals or organizers that really don't have any awareness or they just don't care yeah absolutely um kind of like i shared before i am very limited on bad experiences i don't know if it's just my demeanor itself or the way that i carry myself at festivals but i i always try to talk really well with the with the organizers and the producers on how we can work together to make us to make my time and their time successful. I think some of the best experiences as a wheelchair user that I've had was definitely at Infrasound. So Infrasound started off in a small place in my little hometown. And from the get-go, it's it's all dirt roads, it's campground, um, but they gave me everything that I needed. They didn't have any disability uh, viewing areas or parking, but they, they knew that I came every year. So they would always make a little space in the front by security for me. <laughs> And I, I would personally email back and forth with some of their coordinators to make sure I had, um, I had my own handicap porta potty or I, that they had a spot saved for me closer to like the middle of the venue. So I didn't have to like camp all the way at the end or the back. So it was just, it was more or less me finding a way to make the relationships and connections wherever I went. Um, Electric Forest was the same way. Electric Forest was really good about creating a handicap accessible camping area all the trails were really accessible the wood chips got a little rough with the wheelchair but overall it wasn't too bad my i think the hardest festival for me to go to was somerset festival which is no longer being held anymore but that was less about organizers themselves and just more about the terrain it just it just happened to be that the field was a very very hilly with a lot of thick gravel um, and that's just something that the producers couldn't handle. Um, they, they can't take the gravel out and put it back. So, that you know, I, those are things that me as a disabled raver, 
I take into consideration, like if I want to go, I'm going to dedicate myself to doing some of the hard stuff. Like these hills are no joke for a wheelchair user, but I'm, I'm going to do that challenge because the people that I meet make it worth it. The, the energy that I feel makes it worth it. The, the vibe that you get all weekend and the love, like that's what makes all of those hard things worth it. You know, like we've said, you can't, you can't cater to everyone, but you can like just do your best to make them feel included. And that's why, I, that's why I stay so hard in this community is because the ravers, wheelchair or not, have always made me feel very included. That's, that's uh, great to know. And uh, I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that you didn't have any bad experiences yourself. I wonder whether, whether you have heard of, other disabled people with with bad experiences and if you have perhaps you can share some of the stories well, anonymously obviously i think i think they're just really generic um they're not like poor stories where i'd want to call any specific venue or anything else because like i said a lot of these spaces are doing the best they can they make the adaptions and the and the things that they are, are in their power um, but like I said, some of the, some of the buildings just don't have everything that they have to offer. Um, but you just, you gotta make, you gotta make the best of it and you gotta just keep working through that. And, um, I think some of the, the biggest things that we would face is the accessible stalls and like the bathroom issues. I think, like you said, those are the hardest things to deal with, whether you're in a club or in a festival or anything like that. Like it's just, those are the things that you're just always going to have to deal with. But even at a regular concert that's not in the EDM scene, you're going to have that kind of problem there too. I mean, if you go to a football game um, or, you know, something like that, you're going to have the same kind of issue. So I think like the biggest issue that we face as disabled ravers isn't just something that we face as disabled ravers. It's just something that we face in the disabled community in general. Yes, obviously, obviously. Here we're focusing because of the of the nature of the podcast scene in the dance music scene. But yes, uh, it's not like the rest of the world is, is a, paradise and and uh you know it's there's only a problem with the idiom scene and it's good that it doesn't seem to be much of a problem and i understand now that because festivals are kind of built in purpose they can make these adaptations whereas going to a club especially if it's a an old building as you mentioned they probably can't adapt the space a lot can they and they can't do anything plus Mm-hmm. And the other important information here that I haven't thought of is that, as you said, the festivals depend a lot of on the surrounding that they can't do much about it if they're set on a on a hilly area rather than a flat area, I guess. Right, and you can you can plan to have this nice flat field, but if it rains for an entire week before the festival comes around, that field's going to turn to mush no matter no of matter course. how hard you prep for it. And that was something that we experienced at Infrasound. Like I said, Infrasound will always be my favorite and I will I will always go as often as I can. There was one year where we kind of nicknamed it Infraswamp because it, it rained for the whole week prior to the festival on the location. And even just setting up the, the stages and everything, the the field deteriorated. I pushed my wheel, th- my friends and I pushed my wheel there through mud that was over a foot tall. Like it was halfway up my wheels. But that's like I said, it makes it worth it because of the people that I'm going to meet and the vibes. Like that's the, that's the sacrifice that I'm going to make as a disabled uh, raver and bus goer is knowing that I'm going to make those challenges, but those challenges are worth it to be at that main stage, to hear that music live, to meet people who feel the same way that you do. You know, and that's, that's just what I wanted to share is that <laughs> there is going to be moments that are very hard um, as a disabled driver going to different places, but you can always find a, re- a way to make it worth it. 
Mm-hmm. Again, yeah, I haven't, I haven't thought of again the weather and that that kind of kind of influenced the the surroundings. So thank you for sharing this. And it's again something to important to raise the awareness for for people who plan to attend and they have a disability. And you know, a disability can come at any stage in your life, right? It's not something that you plan. Uh, so it's important for people to understand what is going on, but also for organizers who may be listening or hope I, that they will become aware of these issues through our podcast. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously using a, a chair kind of shows that you have a disability. So this mm-hmm. is a overt disability. Um, mm-hmm. but there are also other disabilities that are a little bit hidden, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. So you may you may see somebody who looks normal on the outside, just waiting in a disabled uh, toilet, and people may think, well, why are you here? And they may be sneaking there just to cut corners, I guess. But they also may have a hidden disability that cannot be seen from the outside. So it's not just a wheelchair user that, that has a disability, correct? As well as we touched a little bit on that. And uh, if uh, for listeners, older listeners, especially if you recall, we did a, a couple of episodes of aged ravers, so older ravers, mm-hmm. like in the 40s and 50s. If you go back to episode 108 and 110 that we did back in 2019, some people may just need to use the bathroom, you know, quicker mm-hmm. and they can't wait for a long time, correct? Right. Well, that's, I try to, as a, you know, before I was in a wheelchair, um, I used to be that girl who would go into the big stall, like all the time. I like me and three friends would go in there. We'd all go together, go to the bathroom real quick. Wouldn't think anything of it. Um, and it's very different. Like once I go from that kind of perspective to being a chair user myself and being like, all right, I used to be that jerk. And so now I just, yeah, I just try to waste a little bit of awareness and I try to be mindful of people who need to use the restroom. And there's times where even me as a wheelchair user, I've given up that stall to someone else who might need it a little bit more than I do. Like I can, I can hold it for a few seconds where someone else, you know, who might have like different time issues or different sensitivity issues who can't. I'm like, all right, yeah, I, I can see that your disability is a little bit different than mine and I'm going to let you go ahead of me. And really all it's about is trying to have those conversations. If you see someone that may be going there, um, that doesn't look necessarily disabled, just be like, Hey, um, this stall might, this stall is just for like the handicapped. So just, you know, just bring that up. They don't want to answer this, like, you know, personal preference, but like most of the time they're going to be like, Oh yeah, no, I have a certain need that I need to use this for and be like, Oh, great. You know, it's just being willing to have those conversations with the people around you. Yeah, yeah. And this is why I brought this up. And it's important to have this conversation and understand that every every individual has their own individual needs and we can't judge them just on their appearance, can we? You know, that we, no, can, we, we don't know what's going on in, in their body. Now, I know you mentioned on uh, on our opening that you weren't attending a lot of festivals or clubs due to your young age before mm-hmm. your accident. So I can't really understand what the reactions of others are to yourself right now compared to your reaction before or your awareness of um, of um, disabled people beforehand mm-hmm. but do you know of uh, any examples of people who you know before they were thinking this way and after you know the surprise as to how people uh, perceive them you know after their accident yeah, I mean, I think that kind of goes for for anyone who has that experience of going from able-bodied to being disabled. Because like I said earlier, you just don't really know it until you're around it, right? You don't, 
you don't understand disabilities or see how you need to include them until your life is impacted by it, whether you're disabled yourself or someone in your family or your friend group is disabled. So I think I think for everyone, it's some, there's always going to be some kind of mental shift for you. Um, but it's just about it's about trying to figure out how to how to not have grief about the old me because like like I said, I used to be really blind to disabilities before I was in a chair myself. And so I have to be okay with the fact that I'm in a chair now and that I am allowed to change my mindset and be more aware and be able to include myself and others more and things like that. It's a lot about uh, change in, in a mindset, isn't it? As you, as yeah. you're suggesting here. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if you do know of any other DJs or artists that are disabled and and how they manage. Here I want to bring the story of uh, Paul Johnson, uh, DJ Paul Johnson, who Mm -hmm. is a black Chicago house music DJ who has sadly passed away and we did a blog about him in one of our last year's uh, podcasts. But Paul Johnson was paralyzed from the waist down since he was 16. Then he suffered an amputation due to pain. Then he suffered another amputation due to accident. That Mm -hmm. guy was so brave. He was producing music, releasing music. Even this year, I think they released uh, some singles of him. He was going out DJing, but he was saying how hard it is in interviews. He was saying how hard it is, but he said, you know, it's the music that matters and, and the music boosting. But do you know of any other cases? Are you aware of other cases? Mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting that you bring this up because I actually didn't know of this DJ until until we had chatted about him earlier. And he's the first that I, that I have heard of. And I haven't heard of, um, I don't know of any other, um, disabled DJs or producers that are, um, in, in the music scene right now. And I think that that kind of just shows you that we, we could use a little bit more representation. Like I, I'm mm-hmm. sure there is DJs, like you said, who have some of those hidden disabilities. So maybe it would be really cool to have them speak up on that a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, and perhaps the community, you know, has to come mm-hmm. a little bit forward and, and kind of connect to each other to bring those people forward and, and give them the chance that they deserve, right? If you're talented, I think you should have equal chances to anybody else, not because you're disabled, but because you're talented. Absolutely, but, I, I agree, for sure. But, but the disability may hold you back in accessing those mm-hmm. chances, so it is important to bring this the, the community together as you're saying. Now, I want to touch to something that crossed my mind. Perhaps I'm wrong here, and please correct me, but I would think that on one hand, you have the physical disability, and we touched on this when you get to the place you intend to go to, mm-hmm. but you probably, there's a lot of stress of actually going out and, you know, preparing for this and how it's going to be there and how will people react to you. And I understand that you're very positive about uh, your mindset, but mm-hmm. perhaps not everybody is the same. So I want to know from my perspective, that I don't understand you and other people that share the same problems with you. Mm-hmm. Is Do you think it's worth the stress of going out or the physical disability when you get there? So for me personally, I think it's worth the stress and the physical disability. Um, but I do know a lot of other people, especially wheelchair users, where it's not worth it. Um, they, they, they get stressed. Like you said, they get stressed about if they're going to be able to go to the bathroom, if they're going to find good parking, how, how much are they going to see? Are they going to enjoy themselves? Are people going to respect them? 
And that that clouds them and that kind of holds them back a little bit. And that was one of the main reasons why I wanted to, to kind of share with you today is because I think it's worth it for the disability ravers to know that it is a challenge to continue to go out and to rave. But like I said, it's the things that come after that that make it worth it. The stress come like you're always going to worry about the accessible venues. You're always going to worry about the bathrooms. That's anywhere you go. That's even if you go out to dinner. So why hold back for something that you love? You know, if EDM and raving is such a huge part in you, you can't let any of that kind of stuff hold you back. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. And I, I, I imagine that the stress of going out is holding many people back. And this is where I think organizers can help a lot by mm-hmm. providing all the information available and make all that information known to people who want to go there but they're not going because they perhaps they fear they're known and they fear the challenge so they're not ready to face that challenge right because once you go there yes everybody understands that it's going to be a challenge but the fear mm-hmm. of the unknown on how to navigate like where do I go to the toilet? Is there a toilet for me? Like, how right. do I get to food? Or is there a stage for me? Or how do I access this and the other? And even if I'm going to contact the venue, are they going to bother, you know, giving me the right information or they just dismiss exactly. me and give me, you know, the minimum information possible? So I think all this together is making, is holding back people, as you're saying, from going anywhere out. But again, here we, we're focusing on the dance music scene. Right. And I just, and yeah, and like, I know that we're focusing on that, but I'm just, the point was that no matter where you are, you're going to have those kind of struggles and disabilities. So if you love it so much and like, if you're listening to this podcast, you love EDM just as much as we do. And you have to be able to, to kind of go through the hard work to, to feel those fun experiences, you know, like don't give up on the DJs that you love and the people that you're going to meet. Cause that's what keeps me going. Like it's hard being in a wheelchair. I stress going out a lot and there's times where even just like packing for a festival is exhausting like i haven't even i haven't even left the house yet and i'm already exhausted but when i get there and i get to to meet people and i get to experience experience that firsthand it just fills me up in a way that nothing else would and i want other i want other ravers in wheelchairs or with any kind of disability to feel that as well i want them to feel included and i want them to feel like they are worthy enough to go to these places, for sure. Obviously, a lot of what is going on there depends on whether you have the appropriate support, which doesn't just come from organizers or or club owners, but also from the people you go there. So I just wonder Mm -hmm. whether there is a community, an online community at least, that people with disabilities, they share in order, you know, to share, you know, how, who, who's going to get there and how they're going to meet those challenges or, or is it that everybody's on their own? And if they're lucky enough to have like 10 people, you know, from their previous life, it's, it's amazing. But because this is a major change in your life, you may have had connections that you will lose afterwards because of your disabilities and, mm-hmm. and, you know, not being able to enjoy life the same way. And therefore you end up yeah, you want to go there and you're ready to face the challenge, but you are on your own. So I just wonder whether there's any online communities that kind of help people help each other. So for disability, for like disabled ravers specifically, I have not found a community for 
disabled ravers specifically where they can share stuff about different festivals and things like that. But that's a really great idea. And that gives me, um, that gives me food for thought of like something that I could do here, um, to make our community better. Mm-hmm. But I know that there is, there is like little things popping up. Um, for example, here in the States, we have something called, um, the accessible festival program. And so there is an actual festival here in the States. It's a hundred percent geared towards accessibility and disabilities. The whole thing is planned around people with disabilities and they go a step further and they collaborate with bigger festivals and they have a grant program. Um, and this is actually how I was able to attend imagine is that they have a grant program for people with wheelchairs that you can apply to go to festivals in your area and they'll they'll give you a free ticket and they'll be like we want we're going to give you this ticket for free because we want you guys to to see that it's that it's that it's able to do this you're able to go out and experience these spaces and we want you to share those experiences with others in your dis- disabled community you know, to sh- and not only the disabled community, but in the EDM community, you know, the more we talk about accessibility at festivals, the better that this, these services can get and the more included we can get and the more people with disabilities can, can join in. So yes. we do, it's really cool that they weren't, there may not be an online support group per se, but there is starting to be, um, groups that in programs and stuff that you can find online that will help you find places and find support that's that's good to hear uh, as well but i can see almost a subreddit now developing you know like disabled ravers or something like that mm-hmm. or um to, you know to to as i said for people who are on their own and they may not be able to make it there but they do want to it'd be nice to to know that there are people who who they can join because as we said there's also the the kind of not over disabilities right and it, it'd be easier i guess if you know that somebody with your own problem is going mm-hmm. to be there it's all about sharing the same characteristics i guess and uh, i don't think you should you should just stay within you know your own small group i think you should share with everybody the fun but it's it's good to know that you will have also people that can understand stand you a little bit better than you know your average person exactly so I would like to know those details that you mentioned here. So please share them with me later on so we can put them in the podcast notes that people okay. should, should uh, check out when they listen to it. I want to know what is your wish list? If you have a wish list, if like somebody gave you a magic wand and they say, right, Brianna, mm-hmm. you're in charge of the whole sector right now in the US. And we're talking about the US, but Trust me, in the rest of the world, it's going to be way worse or, you know, way behind that what you're facing in the U.S. But let's stick to the U.S. Somebody gives you a magic wand and say, Brianna, you're in charge now. Just tell us what to do and we'll do it. I think for me, it would just be, it'd be better marketing, honestly. Um, I want, I would really love for people and producers to, to make people with disabilities feel more included and more seen in the edm scene you know there's you see all these videos on like instagram and facebook of all these ravers um that are dancing around but you very rarely see disabled ravers um in these promo videos and in these um advertisements and things like that and i think that's another issue so for my wish list would be better representation um i would really love to be able to connect with other festivals and other organizers um 
and to be able to attend more festivals and give better reviews and to be able to kind of streamline more accessible knowledge for the community. You know, I would really like to be to help be the face of of the disabled rave community and like share that information with others. So that would be that'd be my magic wand would be just to to find a way to make disabled ravers more seen and more included. You're absolutely right. And I haven't thought of that at all, to be honest. We see all these um, uh, memories videos from all these festivals, right, on YouTube. And to your point, I have never, ever seen a, you know, disabled person being featured, you know, even even for a second. No, and and I'm not the only wheelchair raver out there. Every time I go to an event, I bump into at least one other wheelchair user every time, if not up to four or five other wheelchair users at one festival. So we're out there. I mean, we're, we just, we're not being seen. And that, that's what I would really love is to, to have a platform where I can show people that we're, we, disabled ravers exist and that we can have just as much fun as the regular community, you know, that we, we can bring just as much value to EDM as everybody else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's, that's great to know. Now, I, I know that you're a little bit involved and I want to ask you here to tell me about your involvement, um, with, um, with what you're doing with, with the community right now with wheelchair users. Do you want to share this information with us? Absolutely. So over the last couple of years, I've gotten really involved with the disability community, um, specifically wheelchair users. Um, and I work with, um, a nonprofit called Wheel With Me Organization. And what we do with the nonprofit is we connect other wheelchair users to resources, online events, free events, things in their community that they can do, um, things they can get involved with. We also, when we travel for different events, we try to host wheelchair meetups. So um, this summer we went to Philadelphia. We had a meetup. We had about 10 wheelchair users gathered together. And we just try to get wheelchair users in that community to get together and introduce each other and find more support. And on, on outside of the nonprofit, we also have Wheel With Me Fitness. Um, Wheel With Me Fitness is the first fitness app created for wheelchair users by wheelchair users. And this is something that people can find in their Apple Store, um, in the Google Play Store. It is worldwide. You can download it in any country. Um, and it's just, it's exercises for individuals in wheelchairs that they don't have to adapt. Um, one of the biggest struggles that me and my team found over the years was finding um, accessible fitness, fitness that was created for people like us. Um, and that's what, that's kind of what we're working on right now is we're working on bringing fitness and, and health and wellness into the wheelchair community, along with connecting those individuals to different resources to get them back to living as full of a life that they can. That's, that's very important. And I'm glad to hear that the, the app that I checked before, it's actually made from, by disabled people for disabled mm-hmm. people. So it's f- from people who understand exactly what is going on rather than somebody who, who is, outside of um outside of the game let's say and w- wish to capitalize perhaps on the market and again going back to the festivals um and what you said i, I don't want i wouldn't wish for them to just do a kind of fulfill a tick box exercise for marketing you know and virtue signaling like yeah we're we're looking after these people you know because we care right. i i want i would like to see real changes and 
And basically, the information and how they provide this information is hugely important. So, you know, perhaps your community could uh, develop something like a five-star five rating and you could start uh, rating different festivals or clubs depending on, you know, different criteria that you develop yourselves. And uh, this way you give to, you know, your community some visibility as to what, you know, it's almost like a peer review, isn't it, of, yeah. of those spaces. I think that's a great idea. And I think that'd be beneficial to everyone involved, not only the venues and how they can improve, but also to wheelchair users when they plan on where they want to go. So yeah, I love that idea. Yeah. It, it, it's, as I said, what I don't want to say is just virtue signaling. What we need here is real changes uh, that that they're not just ticking a box, but they have a major effect on, on whoever wants to attend, no matter what their what their needs are. I think this is what I had in mind, but I just want to know whether you have something that you want to share with our listeners. Um, no, I feel I feel like we've covered everything that I really wanted to share. My main goal was just to really let other disabled ravers know that that it is a, it is tough to kind of go out and stay active in this community and to go to shows and to go to all these places, but just remember why you started going in the first place. Um, this, this community, even before I was in a wheelchair was the community that made me feel, like I said, safe and at home. You know, it's just this, the EDM community is just a bunch of misfits that can all like come together into one big family and don't give up on that family just because you have some different barriers or different obstacles. Cause in my experience, if you're willing to put in a little bit of work, the people around you are willing to help. Thank you. Thank you very much, Brianna. And I think this is where we're going to wrap up the podcast. Thank you for for coming in and want to share your experience with us. Thank you so much. And remember, until next time, get your freak on.